Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Winston Burns, one of my counterparts, Savon Morris. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good, man. It's one of those days, but it's going pretty good. One of those days. One of those dimensional days. That's the key word. That's the key word, listeners. Dimensional. The dimensional type of day. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but it's but yeah, provocative. We have a, it's provocative. <laughs> it's the people. But yeah, we have a lot of topics Sorry. to get into. It gets them going. It gets them going. Um, but yeah, to, to, to start it off uh, today, we have a lot of topics to get into. We're going to have a few NBA topics and then um, a game review from Raptors, Sixers, um, Game seven of last year's Eastern Conference semifinals. Um, but to start it off with um, the Mavericks, Rockets, and Heat with, with their playoff push for a higher seed, you know, Miami is currently fourth in the East and they're going to really try to push to, you know, get out of the number four spot to avoid a second round matchup with the Bucks. You know, even though they, they beat Milwaukee twice and had the most regular season success against them, and they're also two and a half games behind the Celtics, having one of the most, you know, difficult schedules of any team with eight regular season games left. And transitioning to the West, the Rockets being uh, uniquely built with their, you know, lack of big men and forwards getting run down with just kind of the amount of effort required to play that style. And now that, you know, they should feel really rejuvenated again. Um, and the Mavericks uh, ha- having a really good shot to move up from the seventh seed as, you know, them being knocked out of the race for home court advantage in the conference final conference quarterfinals is no longer relevant now that everybody's just in one location in Orlando. Um, but among these three teams, um, which team would benefit kind of like the most from a higher playoff seed based on certain playoff matchups? I think the Rockets. I think historically, yeah. you know, I, I went back and forth. I wanted to say the Mavericks, but I think for uh, mm-hmm. Russ' standpoint and, uh, and James Harden's standpoint, I think they need to be a higher seed to, to kind of, you know, get the easy road before going into meeting one of those giant teams like the Lakers or the Clippers or even the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. I think they need one of those games that just kind of eats them back into uh, the playoff scene because the both of these guys don't have a good uh, history uh, with uh, playing playing good in the playoffs and actually, you know, to, to contribute to uh, to win the playoffs, we see James Harden have struggles throughout. Um, but it's historically when they have like a, a they're a higher seed, they have someone like a lower seed they play to kind of like you know ease them into mm-hmm. what trends you know what how the feel is going to be in the playoff picture. They they win better, and then when they meet a team like the Golden State Warriors and they do twenty seven consecutive threes misses, <laughs> and they do that twenty seven consecutive. 27 consecutive, but I think they need the higher seed to kind of ease them, you know, ease it because they, they don't have that chemistry still. I, I don't believe. I mean, the last five to ten games, James Harden went off and Russ kind of found his is his niche in the in the uh in the uh offense. But even when even mm-hmm. that, I think the the chemistry is still kind of like mm. so them becoming a lower seed and facing like uh the Lakers or the Clippers or any other team like a big team like that, I don't think they'll they'll pan out too well. So they need to be a higher seed. Yeah, definitely. And when you look at a team like Miami, like th- with just the amount of experience in terms of like the depth with you know Jimmy Butler and then they get an acquisition like Andre Guadal, who's had multiple playoff experiences and just the size that they can have in, in terms of switching up defensive matchups. 
um, and the, the versatility they have throwing at multiple bodies at Giannis in the regular season. Right. Um, do you think it's one of those things where with how they had success with Milwaukee against Milwaukee in the regular season, it's one of those things where even, even though like that's a good thing to have and, and a good positive, it's one of those things where the regular season and playoffs is just a completely different animal. I, I think the playoff is a different animal. I think we'll see a different yacht. Well, Due to the circumstances, I know we're going to talk about it later. I don't think I think everybody's on the same playing field. Even if your record is better than mm-hmm. anybody else, I think everybody's on the same playing field. But if it, the pandemic didn't hit, I think it, it will be a different monster in Giannis. And that, just like LeBron James does, and Kobe Bryant, rest in peace. Those guys flip a switch. No Drake to kind of hone in who they really are <laughs> when it comes to uh, in the playoff picture. Those guys transform into two, two different beasts. They, they definitely stand out yeah. more than everybody else. So I think it's going to be extremely difficult to stop Giannis in the playoffs. I mean, it's possible. They've done it. And I think having Iguodala, who has that experience, who, who plays great defense, but he has a plague in injuries, I think healthy, I think he could be that, that factor who can hold Giannis. I think who it was, Al Horford, uh, stopped Giannis for, uh, for the first two games uh, last year. I mean, it was yeah. the first two games, but still, like we saw that Giannis has his has his weaknesses. Yeah, with Boston. Yeah, we they have their weaknesses, and I think Iguodala is a better defender than Al Horford, obviously. And I think he he will he will pose problems from Giannis, but it's going to be extremely difficult to transition what you did in the regular season because it's hard to beat a team twice. It's hard to beat a team five times. It's hard to beat a team seven times. So I think it's going to be a big difference when you see. The Bucks in the in in uh, the Heat once you're in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. And transitioning to um, the Warriors offseason, you know, question um, uh, questions that they're going to get kind of like have presented in terms of what they're going to be doing for for next year. Um, you know, they were last in the Western Conference this year. You know, have a few draft picks for you know pre lottery. Um, their projections are, are the number one pick, the 48th and 54th. And with all of the injuries that took place, Steph Curry will be be returning from his injury. Um, his first game back in the second half of the season after um, a 58-game absence was against the Raptors at home, where he had 23 points. Um, Clay's not 100% right now, but by December, um, he will be, and then Draymond as well. And um, if there's not a blockbuster trade, you know, Andrew Wiggins will will be there in a supporting role on the wing. Um, Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, and Green are on the books for under $130.2 million combined next season. And then for the draft, you know, you've got a top-five uh, pick, and the Georgia guard Anthony Edwards and Iowa State's guard um, Tyresa Halberton um, are among the prospects that they're eyeing. But what are your thoughts on kind of like the Warriors' core returning to full strength next season and how they'll fill out this roster kind of over the next couple of months? We've seen we've seen what this this team can do without the big time stars. Even though Draymond and uh, Steph and Clay Thompson are considered to be big time players, we've seen what they can do as a team. I, I have a coach like Steve Kerr. We've seen what they do with an extraordinary but ordinary bench with guys like Sean Livingston. Um, oh, just a bunch of guys off the bench that they, they, they contribute to the game. I think when Clay is fully healthy, Steph is fully healthy, Draymond's fully healthy, I'm not big on Andrew Wiggins. I'm not. His, his, he has declined mm. since he came. That's the biggest Wiggins. question mark. Yeah. Because some people are declined. like, maybe he can be like the, the yeah. Because some people are like, maybe he can be like, you know, the third or fourth best player on that team that's good enough. But others think 
that's not the best option for them to have at that position. I don't think so. I think you try to get something from Andrew Wiggins. Uh, I'm not sure what team will be enticed enough to like, okay, let's let's do a deal or something. But for Andrew, we've seen the, the, the decline with him when he was at the Timberwolves, how many shots, his efficiency of shooting. Per, <laughs> that meant the cloud. I think he went from average <laughs> being like 23 points to 18. I think last year he averaged like 17 points and he, he averaged like 30, 35 minutes. It's, he's been declining ever since yeah. he got in the league. And he's his personality, I don't think it will gel with these guys because we've seen um, what Thibodeau said. Uh, when he was like, yeah, he's a big, talking about he don't get the ball. He shoots majority of the time. I remember we covered one of those. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, he shoots all the time. Like, what he doesn't mean he doesn't get the ball. Yeah. He, he had the ball all the time. Like, what is he complaining about? <laughs> what is he complaining about? So I don't, that's the only weakness I I, I see for uh, the Go to State Warriors. I don't, I don't think Andrew Wiggins jailed. I don't think Russ jailed before he, he had his quick exit and then he, he faced some injuries. Mm-hmm. I just I think they get some some younger guys, some role players, because I think they can win with the, that those big three. They've done it before. I mean, Equadala wasn't a big 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 present on the offense. He was more of the backcourt. So, I mean, I'm not sure, man. I'm I'm not gonna. It's it's yeah. kind of up in the air for me with Andrew Wiggins, but at, like I'm solidified of my confidence with Steph Curry, 100 percent, Clay, 100 percent, Draymond, 100 percent. Those guys are gonna. It's gonna be a crazy, crazy season next year. Fifteen and fifty. You think that sit, sits well with them, even with the injuries? I don't think so. Not at all. It's gonna be a revenge season. It's revenge. gonna be an absolute revenge season for them. Splash Brothers gonna and, turn and I mean, on soon. Sorry. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at Andrew Wiggins, it's about like the hustle, like. Some people are saying, is he going to have the same drive that he always does? Because it's like on and off. Some days he would have it. That's what Jimmy Butler's problem uh, was with the whole Minnesota team. Like, he saw the talent that Carl Anthony Towns had um, and Andrew Wiggins had. And, you know, in the second half, we're going to talk about his time with the Sixers. But he wants everybody to be the hardest working that they can be. And if he doesn't see that, and especially in Andrew Wiggins, it just wasn't going to translate into him staying there long and also just people being satisfied with his production. And I agree, especially when you're playing playing big minutes like he does, averaging 34 minutes. I like if you're in the NBA, not even just in the NBA. If the Go to State Wars practice teamwork, team, 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 teamwork. Mm-hmm. If you couldn't do that with all those stars with the Timberwolves, how can you transition and do that with the Go to State Warriors and do that effectively every? Yeah, every single game. I don't think he can do that. I think yeah. his mindset has changed. I, I really has. From when he came from Kansas, I think the hype got him. Mm-hmm. He wasn't. He wasn't playing. It's similar to Markel Fultz. I, I think just he yeah. didn't. He didn't learn how. He didn't forget how to shoot or it, a surgeon didn't mess up his shooting shooting arrangements. But I just don't. I just don't feel. I think he fizzles out. I think he is a bust. And I'm going to say it. I think Whoa. he is a bust. I think he is. On the, I mean, we got to quote that. Savon coming in hot with, hey, yo, what wicked is a bust? I'm just serious. We, we've seen it so many times. And it wasn't plaguing injuries that has, I feel like, has deterred him to being a bust in my, in my eyes. It's productivity. Right. And teamwork. It's willing mm-hmm. to take that lesser role to be what they need you to be. They don't need you to be a scorer. 
at this point, especially at the Timberwolves, you definitely don't need to be able to score at uh, Golden State. I mean, they have a multiple uh, multitude mm-hmm. of guys who can score, but they just got to figure out what role he, he needs to play. But I don't think he'll gel and go to state. I think they trade him. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, a lot of GM, a lot of GM surveys, they feel as though that will probably be the likely move that Golden State eventually does. Um, you know, Joe Lake of the owner, he's been willing to willing to spend big in the past. Um, and being already in, in a certain economic environment with COVID-19, um, he still wants the ownership group to be aggressive and push the limits. And um, their resources have usually been just a huge plus in the organization, but they're in a position where, you know, it'll either be a scenario of competing at the top of the West or kind of like a, a season that's, you know, not a, a failure like this one, but close to not being to what they want to in terms of championship expectations right. and kind of being farther away from the pinnacles that they've experienced over the last several years. Um, but you've talked about just how motivated the um, the team will be in terms of trying to have a bounce back year, but they already have an aggressive ownership group as well. And do, do you kind of feel like it's one of those things where they're going to even be evaluating more what Andrew Wiggins' development is and, and seeing like what's the next big splash they can do to make sure this team is competing for titles like the next three to four years? For sure. I think the the, the Golden State Warriors organization is resembles the, the Bulls when they had Jordan. Everybody was on board. Everybody was trying to recruit everybody. Like they knew what yeah. their role was, what they wanted to do. And the GM, even though they didn't, they butted heads, they didn't really like him. He knew how to get players there to make sure they were a contender for the NBA finals every single season, even the last season. <laughs> he figured he, he knew the ways to do it. <laughs> so this, so this general, so this uh, I guess organization and go to state wars, they know how to get players there. They knew how to get KD there. They knew how to draft draft Steph Curve. They knew how to draft Clay. They knew where what players gel with each other and how to make sure it's a, a team family mindset. That's why I feel from the Go to State Warriors. Now, Andrew Wiggins, I think is going to be a bigger problem. We thought KD was going to be we don't give KD enough credit that he's definitely a team player. That he went on a team right. and figured out what his role was, and he excelled at that role. That's what you do on that team. Yeah. And he still was the best player on that basketball team. But for Andrew Wiggins, I think it's going to be more difficult because if we've seen what Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler is such a good guy, and he's such a good team player, and he wants the best out of everybody because that's what he was, that's how he was built in Chicago. Then if he can't handle that, how can he handle Steve Kerr in that in that? what they built there already and the mindset they built for their entire team. How can he come in and transition and do that? That's going to be difficult. Now, will they get pr- productivity out of them a, a little bit? Uh, I think so. I think so. I oh, think yeah. he'll be a great defender. I think he'll be a great defender, but a scorer, mm, I think he'll be a good facilitator too. Cause I think the last game he racked up like 10 assists uh, when uh, the last, the, the game they lost against the Raptors, I think 121 to 113. He did have 10 assists. I will give him that. I mean, in the Warriors system, like everybody develops into a better facilitator than once they got there. Like even KD True. developed into a better facilitator because it's a motion offense. You're constantly moving and everybody eventually, even like like Brad Stevens' system, everybody has to eventually adapt to, to that level of play and that mindset. Most definitely. Most definitely. So if they can get to Andrew Wiggins and make him a better overall player, then I'm all for it. But if he stays in the same realm that he's in now, then I think he's going to enter into being a bust. Fifth year bust. Fifth year. 
harsh words from Savon Morris. He's like, <laughs> Wiggins is Wiggins is. <laughs> That's the same thing they did with it's Greg over. Oden. That's the exact same thing they did with Greg. Yeah. Oden. they didn't give Greg Oden a, a, a chance to become the guy he was uh, at Ohio State. They didn't give him a chance. I know the injuries kind of plagued him, but they didn't give him a chance. But so if they're gonna do that with him, I'm gonna do that with the number one pick and Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. And transitioning to um, the Bucks, Lakers, and, and Clips as, uh, Clippers as uh, title favorites, and after this uh, long um, hiatus, um, you know Milwaukee, they're deep and and their best players weren't required to play um, huge minutes throughout the season, as you know they coasted for the most part, and they're still you know dominant on, dominant on both ends of the floor. Um, the Clippers have the question mark uh, kind of uh, uh, for a little bit if whether Lou Williams would rejoin the uh, would join the restart, and it's you know a 50-50 situation. Um, the depth and star talent and are just the elements that will translate kind of to this environment for them um, as they just have two great two-way players in, in Kawhi and Paul George. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have the Lakers who, who are clicking on all cylinders and LeBron was just playing some of the best basketball of his career. And they pick up um, J.R. Smith this past week after Avery Bradley um, it, it was not able to, to join them um, in Orlando. And, you know, his situation in terms of just being like as a player – a really good two-way player, a great on-ball defender, and now they're going to have to make another transition to somebody that LeBron is, you know, extremely familiar with and another, you know, shooter and floor spacer. Um, but in terms of, like, what team do you think this long long hiatus could potentially affect in a neg- negative way, who would you give it to? And also kind of what are your thoughts on J.R. Smith's um, new role with the Lakers? The correct answer is everyone. Every, every team. Yeah. That's the correct answer. Correct answer. The Savon answer will be the Lakers. And I say this because the momentum they had before uh, the pandemic hit, I don't think they were... Zil- it was they so were- strong. Yeah, it was so strong. I don't think they have that right off the back. Even because you look at the Clippers, they had the low management already. <laughs> I, was, I hate saying that, man. <laughs> I really don't agree with it. But they already had already that said. Right, it's already set. So when I think about the Lakers, I think about an older LeBron James who has been playing on all cylinders. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to retract my answer, Wellington, and normally I do not do that. Uh-oh. I'm going to go with the Clippers. And you know why? Not wow. because of the low management, because they have interchanged that team so much, even before the pandemic hit, they don't know who they are. They were getting beat by Celtics team. They got beat by a uh, a, a Bucks team and a Lakers team. I, mean, I think it's one one with the Lakers and the Clippers, but they don't two know one. two one two one. Who's up? Clippers. Clippers up. Oh jeez. They want an open. They want an opening night, then Christmas Day, and then the Lakers won in March. Oh yeah, because Kawhi took a vacation during the season. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I, I think the I think the <laughs> took Clippers, a bit of a break. Yeah, they took a bit of a break. I think the Clippers because they haven't jailed yet, and we've seen what happens when you don't jail. We've seen the 76ers; they're still in the process. They've been in the process since I, AI was there. But when I look at the Clippers, PG trust is <laughs> trust the process. PG is not fully healthy. I, we I don't can't think, trust the process anymore. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I don't think we can trust the process. I used to. I was like, okay, they got the. They just got Al Horford. They got Tobias Harris. These guys, they go to jail eventually. Yeah, no. Uh, and I, I see the same Never. thing with the Clippers. I see the same exact thing with the Clippers. They look good on paper. 
but they look lost. But Kawhi still looks like the best player on the basketball court. And I don't know why. Yes, that's the thing. I mean, it, it, even when there's dysfunction, it still looks like Kawhi is the best player and is going to be able to get them a bucket at any time. That's like, like I feel like the chemistry wasn't as set no. as it was kind of like in terms of what they wanted to, to see it as. But when you have a guy like Lou Williams coming off the bench and what right. he can do in terms of just erupting for 25 to 30 any night, that's a plus. Um, but in terms of just like the starting fives chemistry, that's been something that even Doc Rivers is really concerned about. Can we just give it up for Lou Williams? Most selfless player. Six man like Lou Will. Like Lou. Like, can we just give it up for him? Because that is a, man, to come off the bench and know your role and to still put up big numbers like that? That's crazy. That's crazy. Just imagine. I mean, people are factoring in his production for, for them being a title favorite, a bench player. They're factoring in his production for them being like, even bigger title favorites than what they had in terms of just the starting five. I mean, that's how important his production is. Because he goes bananas. It really reminds of Amanu Ginobili yeah. when he used to come off the bench, which I never agree with, but then I saw why <laughs> they, he came off the bench and it really like made <laughs> everything gel and flow. Everything flow well. It was they they noticed the mismatches they could have if he comes off the bench. The same thing with Lou Will. And if everybody is on the same page. And then, I don't know, man, the Clippers, I thought the Clippers were going to be the favorite, but I still have Lakers winning it all. I'm not going to change that, Willington. Mm. I still have L- L.A. Dogs <laughs> winning the thing. You know what I'm talking about, man? L.A. Dogs. You know what I'm talking about, man? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think the Clippers is, is going to be the team that is going to have to come in and be completely polished. Because it wasn't polished. They've yeah. traded, they released players, they brought in one of the Morris twins. They're trying to figure out what, who goes with who. And I still don't think they have figured out even through the pandemic. So those guys, that team ha- has to come in polished. I think the Lakers with J.R. Smith in his role, he's going to be the, the spacer. He's going to be the guy who's going to take a lot of risk. But I think he has, still has upside. I yeah. think he's a better player than Bradley Bill. I don't know why. I think he is. Than Bradley Beal? Yeah. I'm gonna say that because I see wow. a different, I see a different JR. Even though he's like like in his later years, I still think JR Smith is a dog, man. Even though he forgot what the time was and he was looking retarded yeah. and all that stuff. I think <laughs> that's JR the Smith thing. I mean, the time clock, not knowing what the score is. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can but, get back at the edge over Bradley. Smith used to get buckets. He used to he used to bring the yes. game. He used to bring with them the back nuggets? to the game. Not even the nuggets with the Cavaliers. That's what I'm referring to. He used to oh, get yeah. buckets. Oh, yeah, I know. He used to get buckets. And I, I think he was a little underrated because I don't, I don't believe in the LeBron effect, but I do believe in a team player. If that has to be LeBron effect, well, mm-hmm. yeah, you're a team player. You know your role. But I think he's going to be a good spacer. J.R. Smith does average two to three steals a game, which is which is underrated. No, a lot of people don't talk about his, his defense mm-hmm. game, but they always tell it. They always come back with the most embarrassing things, like having his shirt off and smoking black and brown. <laughs> he's ever having, done. <laughs> he's ever done, but he's a good player. <laughs> I think his 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 motive, not his motive. I think his his motivation has changed, and he has, he's got a, like another chance right. at life, so to speak. And I think he went to a team where mm-hmm. he doesn't have to do much to get back into the swing of things. 
which I think is perfect for them. So they got it. They got to steal. J.R. Smith is going to contribute. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and I mean, it, it, it's kind of up in the air as well with Dwight Howard coming to Orlando. Like, do you, right. do you feel as though with, with JaVale McGee and and just kind of like the size that they have there, like even if Dwight Howard doesn't come, like they'll still be just kind of content with what they have in, in McGee at the center position? I think, I think McGee has improved in all areas. I think if given the opportunity mm-hmm. to shoot from the big time from downtown, I think he can seek it in. I think he's an excellent defender. I think he's an excellent rebounder. He doesn't have to score much, but I like the one-two, one-two game that they have with him. I think he's improved in so many areas since he since he got there with the, with the Lakers. So I think they content with it. If Dwight plays, that'll be good because he has experience, and I think Dwight is a, is a good uh, standstill right. too. But I think with McGee, he's improved in so many area areas. I'm I'm more with McGee than I am with Dwight, and I'm a huge Dwight Howard fan still. There's a ton of experience. There's a ton of experience on this team. Danny Green, LeBron, um, Quinn Cook, even with with some finals with the Warriors, JaVale McGee as well. Like this team has has a a lot of championship experience. True. And they still have some some guys that I think can contribute. That's why I I have to give it to the Lakers. Alex Caruso. Caruso. Ooh. The ball spot guy. (laughs) The ball spot guy. (laughs) The bald Buddy. spot guy. Hey, we had a we had a, a, a name for uh, um with Greg Popovich, the white snowman. The white Caruso snowman. is just gonna be the bald spot guy. The bald spot guy. <laughs> the bald spot guy can yam too. He has some some <laughs> he yeah, got no. some some bounce, man. Bounce biggity. He got some bounce. But he's underrated too. I think he's a good role player as well. I just think mm-hmm. if AD three point percentage goes up oh my because he was it's a wrap because he was missing a lot i think i don't i don't don't even know his percentage i think he said like at 20 something for not saying from the three-point line Mm -hmm. yeah but it's it's not high it wasn't as high when he he was uh at uh the pelicans pelicans wellington why do you do that (laughs) why do you do that (laughs) I'm sorry, bro. What did I do? Like, you like, yeah, the Pelicans. <laughs> <laughs> you do that all the time, man. The Pelicans. Yeah, the Pelicans. <laughs> Alvin Gentry, Zion Williams, yeah. <laughs> Lou Williams, yeah, Josh Hart. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but no, um, I think J.R. Smith comes in. He does his thing. I think he's. I think he's hungry. I think J.R. Smith is really hungry, but uh, I, the correct because he has a second act. I mean, this yeah. is the, like oh, I mean, it, it's been so long since he's been, since, since he's been back in a playoff environment, playing for a championship, and I feel like just could be especially back with the LeBron led team. That's even something that's a bigger like motivator and plus because LeBron is going to push him, and he also knows that they've been through multiple championship right. runs together. Right, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why they was like, all right, let's go get Jr. If Bradley, if Bradley Bill can't do it, let's go get Jr. I think he finally forgave him for, <laughs> for the finals. It's part of the game. Forgetting the time clock. Yeah. He was like, do we have timeouts? <laughs> what are you doing? Gosh, that's like the infamous- That video, that video after he realizes what happened. It's like, did we have a timeout? That will always follow his career. Always follow his career. That's right? another game we have to review. Oh, yeah. That was a good one, though. 
That would have that would have changed momentum for that. It, it, LeBron with, I mean, LeBron's performance in that game was in terms of just what he did controlling the game, like fifty eight and eight. That was some people say that's one. That's one probably maybe the best performance they've seen, um, in a finals from a from a losing team. And he knew he had to do that, and he still lost. That's crazy. Still did it because they that's didn't have it. anybody. They had Hood. I'm mm-hmm. still not a fan of Hood. Ugh, I do not like Hood as a basketball player. Still not a fan because he's so inconsistent. Jeff Green, Jeff, yeah, Jeff Green. They had Jeff Green, Hood, um, uh, Larry Nance Jr. He's trash. Just gonna Jay Crowder. <laughs> Jake, I like Jay Crowder. I like Jay, but they didn't yeah, have much. Yeah, they didn't have much when they when they did that trade. They tried, but LeBron went fifty eight and eight and still lost. Ugh. <laughs> that's sad man it's <laughs> one of those it's one of those performances like I had 58 and 8 but one of our guys still forgot what the time was and they had a super team yeah but it was ugly after that game one that was an incredible time it went downhill after that it went downhill it went down quick quick <laughs> words like we're gonna wrap this up quick real quick oh you guys thought you was gonna win that one okay here we go <laughs> <laughs> three three straight wins. <laughs> Sheesh. Yeah. Well, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, and we're getting into our Raptors Sixers 2019 Eastern Conference uh, Game Seven uh, Eastern Conference Semifinals Game Seven review. And to start it off with the overview, um, the Raptors were 58 and 24 that season. Um, first in the Atlantic Division and second in the East. Um, you know, with them trading away DeMar DeRozan and uh, acquiring Kawhi from the Spurs before the season, um, Masai Ujiri, you know, pushed all of his trips to the middle of the table and, you know, went for it, taking a big risk. Um, they beat the Magic in the first round, the Sixers in seven, um, the series we're about to review, and then they beat the Bucks in six um, in the Eastern Conference Finals after trailing 0-2 and winning four straight. And then they go on to their franchi- franchise's first NBA Finals appearance and ending um, their 26-year championship drought, beating the Warriors in six. And the Sixers were 51-31 and 31 that year, second in the Atlantic Division and third in the East. And, you know, they made major trades in November, trading away Dario Saric, um, Robert Covington, Jared Bayless, and a 22, uh, 2022 second-round pick for Jimmy Butler and Justin Patton. Um, they clinched a, a, a third playoff seed for um, this consecutive season. They defeated the Nets in the first round in five games and then lose to the Raptors in this series. Um, but looking back at it, what were your like kind of initial initial thoughts on how Philly's new four big three with with Butler would match up with Toronto and Kawhi, uh, trying to uh, like erase playoff letdowns from the past as they were, you know, really pretty evenly matched. I thought with Jimmy Butler, in addition to Jimmy Butler, who's good in front court or back court, I thought it was going to match up well. We saw that it went to Game Seven, especially the, the, this Game Seven. It was mm-hmm. so close; it was won by a buzzer beater. Yeah. So that really gives you a, a synopsis of how this game was going to go, how it went, how these players matched up really, really well. Even when look, Ka- Kawhi went crazy numbers, I think he had like over 40 points, if I'm not mistaken. Just, mm-hmm. I think with the addition of Jimmy. I, yeah. Which is, which is kind of a Mamba-ish, <laughs> Jordan-ish. If you know, because I always thought Kawhi uh-huh. did never want it. He could take over games. I, my 
My point was he didn't like to take over games, but he could. You could just tell in his, his body language and how... And how this he, one he had to because the supporting cast wasn't delivering. Not at all. I think Pascal Siakam was. Everybody else wasn't. Everybody yeah. else wasn't. But I think with the addition of Jimmy, I think they that's what made them uh, match up really, 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 really well, especially with Kawhi going to Toronto with DeMar. Because if DeMar was there, I think 76ers would have moved past. And, you know. That's the thing. If DeMar DeRozan's there, a lot of people feel as though it's just the same repeat from last year, from the year before when, you know, they lose to the Cavs in the second round as, in that series, the Raptors were the first seed. They, they were the number one seed. The The Cavs were the fourth seed. And I remember that series where it just didn't, like LeBron just didn't care that they were the number one seed. He's like, I'm better than you guys, no matter what seed you guys are. If you have home court advantage, like I'm the best player. And that's just like the, the, the energy and the feel that you got from LeBron in that series. And then, you know, next in this series, there's just a, a, a transformative difference from what DeMar DeRozan could do. In, and then what we saw Kawhi doing, just taking over this game seven. Which is right. I mean, Kawhi is a different animal. And we, we know that when he's completely, we've we seen that before. Mm-hmm. We knew him as the claw <laughs> when he was just a young buck with the Spurs. But he, every time, I, I remember one clip when LeBron James was like, it's, he looked back and he saw Kawhi subbing. He was like, God, come on. He was at the free throw Yeah, he just sighed. He was like, oh, goodness. <laughs> come on, man. This young buck don't, don't, don't give away. So that really tells you how good of a player Kawhi is and how good – he's a better defender to me. He's well. If you're getting a reaction like that from LeBron when Kawhi was, like, much younger, I mean, that says a lot. That says a lot because, man <laughs> – that LeBron James doesn't do that a lot to different players. But when he did that, I was like, oh, yeah, Kawhi's a, Kawhi's a beast. He, he's not a household name yet, but he's going to yeah. get there. But I, my, my defense was always he didn't like to take over, but he could. But when you add Kawhi, and we, we talked about him being that one-hit one, one hit wonder with, uh, with the Raptors, but I knew that he could change that team around, but I knew he wasn't going to stay. Mm-hmm. But with him, with them getting right. rid of DeMar, I think it was an excellent move. They had a championship out of it. But I think with DeMar Rose in there, it was no growth. They didn't grow. They were best friends, but they didn't grow the basketball team. Nobody around them was getting better. Yeah, and and, and I mean, in game one, the Raptors, they started off with a home win by 13. Um, Kawhi had a career playoff high with 45 points, 11 rebounds. Siakam had 29 points. Um, in game two, Philly evens up the series with a five-point win. and um, Jimmy Butler, it was a signature game for him as he had 30 points and 11 rebounds. Um, back at Philly for game three, the Sixers have a dominant performance with a 19-point win, and Embiid had 33. And um, for a pivotal road win, like to me, one of the biggest wins that the Raptors got in this postseason was when they tied things up with the five-point um, five win, and Kawhi had 39 points as well as a pivotal three-pointer with a minute and one left. Um, and and it just it's one of those it's one of those games where you can make a case that it was their most important playoff win coming off a 21 point loss and they outscored the Sixers by 22 and 12 minutes and 46 seconds with Embiid off the floor and for the first time in the postseason Nurse played two centers in, in Gasol and Serge Ibaka for extended minutes for the first time um but before I, I recap that the rest of the games um what were like your, your your thoughts on just kind of the tenacity and resilience Toronto showed in picking up this key road win as the Sixers really could have closed the door in getting like another home winning game four. I, I think it's a, it's a win. 
it was a dire win, obviously, but I think it really is a test to mm-hmm. how great Kawhi is as a basketball player, as a silent leader, because we know Kawhi doesn't uh, say much. And he's he's a he's a man of action. <laughs> so the, the fact that he's he averaged, yeah. I think, 35 points in in that in that uh playoff series. I think he averaged 35 points. That's crazy. Average 35 points. Yeah. In a, that's insane. That's unheard of. I, I don't well, except your name is Michael Jordan, possibly Kobe Brown, who they shoot a lot. So, you know, whatever. But he also averaged two to three steals <laughs> a game. So it really tells you tells of how his leadership kind of trickles down, even though sometimes the support and cash doesn't uh, contribute to uh, contribute to everything. But I think Kawhi, he's the dog. And he has that mentality because the knack against LeBron James is he doesn't have that mentality to take over. And I think both of those guys are in the same realm where they, they have the ability to take over, but they don't want to take over. They really don't. But... Kawhi had yeah. to. It really showed how great of a player he is, what he needs to do in every aspect of the game. If the mentality was Kawhi, I don't think anybody else had the mentality. To be honest with you, to to be completely honest, we didn't we didn't see. Um, geez, what is his name? Why do I always forget these names? Ibaka. Not Ibaka. Uh, Cal Lowry. Yeah, Lowry. Cal Lowry. Yeah. We didn't see him into the finals. We didn't see him explode into the finals, the NBA finals. He didn't explode in to game the six. That first start of it, that like that twelve like to to three run that they had in the beginning of it, like he was on fire for that first part of the game six, which is crazy. It took him how many games of that beforehand to be able to okay, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have a great game today. <laughs> like, I'm going to have a great game for the final one. <laughs> for the final one, I'm a great game. I'll come out and, and do my job. That's they didn't grow. If Kawhi was blazing, there, yeah. If Kawhi wasn't there, they wouldn't get this far. Even with Van Fleet shooting pretty mm-hmm. good, even with you know, I don't think Pascal Siakam. That's what Masai Ujiri knew. Yeah, and man, I, I don't, I don't know, man. I think it wasn't, it wasn't the role players. It wasn't Van Fleet. What it was, Kawhi. It's no I in team, but it's an M E M E in that thing, though. Just what Kobe said is the M E. Ain't no I team, but it's me in that. <laughs> <laughs> at his funeral, but um, I it was it wasn't a mentality. I mean, Shaq shut the funeral down after that joke. Right, he did. He actually did, man. That was crazy. But no, I think it was a mentality of yeah. Kawhi all the way, all the way. Forty points. I think he had like seven, eight rebounds, mm-hmm. two or three steals. He's a claw, so we we know that's 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 given. But it's all over his back. He won a championship. He won a championship for Toronto. Let's let's call it spade a spade. The supporting yeah. cast didn't show up. Not the other way around. <laughs> the Raptors <laughs> didn't do it for. <laughs> and, and and back in Toronto for you know game five, the Raptors you know, route the Sixers with a thirty six point win. Um, Kawhi has twenty one points and thirteen rebounds. Siakam had twenty um, five points, and in game six, Philly forces a game seven with you know an eleven point win, and um, Butler had twenty five points. Then finally in game seven, Kawhi you know has one of the most dramatic game winners to end a series with the shot from the corner over and beat to give the Raptors a two point win. And he also had 41 points. Um, but transitioning to uh, our first topic, what made this game so significant and memorable? Um, I mean, obviously the ending with Kawhi's game winner will, right. will never be forgotten. And just the, the element of a defensive, you know, just battle that this was, I mean, it was back and forth. There were multiple right. lead changes. The Sixers were right there to take it. 
and um, it made it a classic game seven. But also the significant element was related to the legitimate changes both franchises went through. I mean, Jimmy Butler was traded to Miami. Um, J.J. Redick and T.J. McConnell departed while um, Tobias Harris resigned, and then they acquired Horford the last summer. And even Toronto's response to Kawhi's departure was, was a job well done. And the Sixers, they were left wondering with just what went wrong and considering the what-ifs from um, their their potential as their starting five was as good as any starting five in the league. Um, but to you, kind of what, what made this game so significant and memorable? I think the second chances and the ball movement, to be completely honest with you. Both teams got it was so close, but I think with the with the second chance, with the rebounds, offense and defense, I think uh Toronto had uh 49 and uh Philly had like 43. I think they both teams averaged yeah. about 40, 40 rebounds a game. I really think that was the difference because with when it comes when it is super close like that, and it's you know the supporting cast is not is not worried. I think Kawhi went two for nine, so the three point shot that he he made <laughs> was his second one, which is kind of crazy. I think I'm <laughs> a three pointer, which was kind of crazy. He went for two for nine for yeah. the percentage, but I think those second chance of those ball movements, I think the team both teams I had over twenty assists. Over 20 assists, which is really, really good. And I know mm-hmm. it's kind of like, why did you pick ball movement? Because that was the difference between the games. Everybody was contributing, not in points-wise, but ball, moving the ball, getting people open, having those second chances. I think Pias- P- uh, Pascal Siakam had uh, Pascal 11 Siakam. rebounds and 11 assists. Actually, no, let me. Mm-hmm. Actually, he had uh, 11 yeah. rebounds and uh, two assists. So he was he was he was the guy. That's why I said Pascal Siakam was contributing in Surge. Surge had 17 points, but everybody else was non-existent. Yeah, yeah, he had a good, really good performance as well. Really, really good. But I think the ball movement and the yeah. second chance to give the opportunity to be able to shoot a buzzer beater. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And transitioning to, to kind of whose performance were you most impressed by? I mean, <laughs> the, the clear answer yeah. is Kawhi in terms of just what he did. I mean, he had just an other otherworldly performance with 41 points in 43 minutes. Um, scoring 15 in the fourth, and then during a five-minute stretch late in the fourth quarter, um, he was the only rapper to score, and he's just, you know, uh, cold-blooded. Everybody in the arena knew who was going to take the pivotal shots. Um, right. DeMar DeRozan, you know, as we said earlier, wouldn't have been able to get them over the hump in that series, and you just saw the difference. But um, what about Kawhi's performance kind of impressed you the most as he was just the overwhelming force, um, but the Raptors' supporting cast was not efficient at, at, at all? as it was really kind of Abaka who had um, a big performance off the bench with 17 points and was really like the only other big contributor, along with Siakam. Serge had uh, three three-pointers, by the way, as well. Uh, I think yeah. the, the biggest thing I took away from Kawhi's performance is the question of can he take over a game is, is no more. No more. We've seen it countless times in this in this series, also in this entire his entire one year stint, <laughs> entire one year stint with the Raptors that he can take over games. Does he want to sometimes? No, but he has the ability to take over games. He looked better than everybody on the court, and his numbers showed. And he had three steals. To be consistent in steals yeah. and be efficient on the other side as well, front court and back court, man, that is crazy crazy and he was he didn't shy away from it and then he gave us a little uh buckle knee like oh please go in please go in please go in please go in <laughs> please please <laughs> please go in please but no i mean his man that performance bro 
it really kind of like it it gave me it took out the question like because I'd never seen Kawhi take over like take over mm-hmm. a game Wellington with no doubt like no nah, he got help he got help yeah. from somebody off the bench no he took over the game he took over the game so that's the most memorable thing I was like man I can't even say anything about Kawhi anymore except low management. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing you can I always got say on that. That's, I mean, <laughs> that's the only thing I got on. Yeah, and, and, I mean, and, and I mean, it's just it's just one of those things where we really saw the progression, even from what he did in San Antonio, being um, a, a really good defender. Because, like, when you look at what Jimmy Butler was in Chicago as just kind of a really good defender, and then he elevated yep. to being a great scorer. Um, mm-hmm. The the regimen and just the um, organizational consistency with the Spurs is something that he came from. Like in terms of just Kawhi's development, what's the biggest thing? Do you think it's just the Spurs um, organizational structure, Popovich's coaching, or just him kind of like continuing to develop as a two-way player each and every year? I think he was already a two-way player. And I think he was that guy who was, he has that mentality. He's competitive. He's, 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 he's one of those guys you can depend on. But I think in that system with, with the great white snowman, he really was stifled and that his role was to be the defender. His role was to be the claw, you know, but that's why I always thought he couldn't take over any games because of the position or the role he had with the Spurs. Now, when I saw him be the guy in Toronto, it's like, he's approved. We already knew what his capability was. It was just put into fruition. And we actually saw he can average 35 points when it matters the most. He can change a game when it matters the most. Because we've seen James Harden go mm. off in the regular season, averaging like 40, 40, 42 points and get to the playoffs and is non-existent. Kawhi kind of silenced all of that. Because once the guy gets to that type of limelight, some guys step to the occasion, some guys don't. We I've seen Kawhi do that. Right. We already knew the abilities he had because he was a great defender in his mid-range game. <laughs> he's the top five mid range of the mid range master, and he has such big hands. He's a finisher at the rim. He's a slasher too. He's a yeah. guy who can open his space, create his own shot. The guy is we already knew that, but we didn't see it until his entirety until he was with Toronto. But the definitely system with the great white snowman kind of stifled his abilities to just be the guy, the claw. But I do think he still got buckets with Spurs though, but. We see fruition of who he really is as a basketball player with the Raptors. Yeah, definitely. And transitioning to um, which player had the most disappointing performance um, from from the Sixers. I mean, to, to, to me, Ben Simmons was right up there as he just didn't have the type of production the Sixers needed from him. And in the opening five games, he only averaged um, 9.4 points, uh, 7.0 rebounds and 4.6 assists. Numbers that are extremely below what we're used to seeing from him and you have instances in this game where he, he didn't take advantage of a mismatch or just um, pass that out of a drive where when he should have attacked the rim. Um, Simmons only had 13 points, eight rebounds, and five assists. And um, there were just more contributors for Philly as Embiid had 21, Reddick had 17, Butler had 16, and Tobias Harris had 15. And we, we talked about Toronto a lot, but looking at Philly, I mean, there were a lot of expectations as when they got Butler, their starting five was as good as any other starting five in the league. Um, some people felt as though if... Um, Brett Brown didn't get this win. He would he would be let go. And they were just so much um, just w- with what they did the year before, and they lost to Boston in the second round, where they had the two best players in that series. And 
Brad Stevens system and even what J- Jason Tatum and Jalen uh, Jalen Brown did was just too much for them in that in that particular series. Um, but to you, which player um, from Philly had the most disappointing performance? Jimmy Butler, man. Because we mm. we we knew what Ben Simmons was capable of in his weaknesses. That's why he never attempted a three. He was zero from zero. So I mean, that was that was dope. But I yeah. thought Jimmy Butler was supposed to do more. And I don't know if it was just the system or just the role or whatever it is. I thought Jimmy was supposed to do more. He was, uh, it was one for six from the three-point line. He was five for 14. He played 43 minutes, one assist, four rebounds, three. Those are not regular. He had one steal. Those are not Jimmy Butler numbers. Those are not regular numbers. That's not, that's not Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler can take over a game. We've seen that a couple times. Well, not a couple times. Mm-hmm. We see that a lot of times, actually. Many times. <laughs> but I think the game was so close, and I think how the game was flowing, I don't think it was his time to 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 step out. But I expected Jimmy Butler to do more. I mean, he was he was. I think he was he played good defense, but on the scoring end, I thought he was you know he wasn't his normal self because those are not Jimmy Butler numbers, to be honest with you. They, I mean, he played great in transitional defense, and I mean. To stop a team from with that caliber for not getting over 100 points, and they got over, I think, like three or four games, went over like 100 points. I, I just thought more of Jimmy Butler. I, I, I'm i not – Ben Simmons yeah. is Ben Simmons. We, we, I know what I expect out of Ben. I know – number two has got to be Joel Embiid. So even in that sure, game seven – Yeah, I mean, Embiid was up there too because like we were seeing it so many times with inside the NBA where Shaq and Charles, they feel as though Embiid just – they they see so much potential in him, but they don't really feel as though he's giving uh, giving it on a consistent basis every night. Right. And I feel like if Embiid could do that, that would be a game changer because he can be a multiple MVP winner, um, a leader of a, a finals MB, uh, be a finals MVP of a championship team. He can be all those things, but the consistency of seeing that on a night to night basis is something that's the biggest question mark. One of the big, biggest question marks in the league: Will Embiid ever get to that point? No. Because he, yeah. he doesn't have the dog in him. <laughs> he, he doesn't have the dog in him. It's just like uh, Carl Anthony Towns. He has so much potential. I think the way the game is going is kind of softening the big man. They don't, we don't, they don't get dirty in the paint anymore. They don't. They don't, they don't, they don't focus. Most of it's, it's three-point happy. Like, okay, let's, let's do ball movement. Let's get people, let's get scorers in the open. Let's get three-pointer, you know, three-point shooters in their spots. Let's let's get to this. Let's do this transitional. I'm not gonna drive it. I'm gonna dish it out to the three point. Let's let's do that. No no team is really yeah. going to the paint. Even with the with the one two yeah. one two game, it's it's rare that they dish it off to the big man. You know, I I, I just don't feel like a Joel Embiid is going to be that guy because he doesn't have that dog in him. He's soft. Mm-hmm. Shaq Shaq was a dog man. Charles Barkley was a dog. Oh, yeah. Hakeem Olajuwon was a dog. Like those, they had that mentality in them. So I don't, I don't think Joel mm-hmm. B will ever get to that point where he's an MVP candidate, you know, candidate and should win. I don't think he ever get to that point. But his his performance was like, mm, okay, all right. Even though he scored the most amount of points for Philly, it still wasn't enough. Twenty one points just wasn't enough for a game seven. It, it was a really light performance. It was. I don't think they was see. mm, I don't think they utilize them enough. To be completely honest with you, 
I think, and he, that's another thing. The system, like, what do you think about Brett Brown? Because that's another thing. Because some some people feel, feel as though he's, and, and I know, like, to you, coaching is not one of is, is not the biggest thing. You, you you obviously you can factor in for an NBA playoff series, right. but do you think some of it has to do with maybe Brett Brown's system? Just because even in that year before when they had the better team against Boston and they weren't able to do it as he got out coached by Brett um, by Brad Stevens. I think so. I think how you utilize your big man. And it's not like Embiid can't shoot. I don't think they run enough plays for him. I think it's it's like an isolation, mm-hmm. a isolation, but not in the paint. I think you run plays to get a beat open. I, I I don't see them doing plays for him like that. Like Shaq, I mean, yeah, they they gave Shaq isolations, but they also gave him some some pick and rolls in the paint to get him open to get the mismatch. They don't do that for Joel Embiid. Not not consistently enough. Consistently enough. So twenty one points. It's not enough. Yeah. It's not enough to be able to be able to say, okay, I, I did my job. No, you didn't. You didn't do your job. And but I'm more disappointed than Jimmy Butler because I know what kind of Jimmy Butler is a dog. Obviously, yeah, he went absolutely. at the whole entire team. <laughs> he went at the whole entire team. <laughs> that's a dog. Playing with man. the third strings. <laughs> right. That's a dog, but we didn't see that dog. I guess because you know how the game was flowing and the momentum switches. Yeah. I don't know, man. But we we saw a dog though. We saw a dog in Kawhi Leonard. We definitely seen that. Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> you just did it again, Wellington. Yeah. I did it again. Oh my goodness! See, listeners, you're gonna have to keep a t- you're gonna keep a tally for how many times I do this because Savon just pointed Kawhi. out a flaw that I didn't notice. Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> This how you get me with the word of the day. Of this. <laughs> right. Just how you get me with like, that's Savon's word of the day. That's word of the podcast. <laughs> right. Just like that. Well, it's just, well, it's like, wow. Yeah, we finally it. got to this point where Savon pointed out a flaw. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> that's funny. But uh, but tra- transitioning to kind of the, the, the our, our last topic um, for today with was a coach um, team or player's legacy elevated or diminished by the series result? Um, to, to me, like Kawhi's was was really boosted. Um, Toronto's, yeah. you know, their championship run was it, it really. It, it, I mean, I'm not saying this was the this was just the sole biggest win they ever had in this in the in this uh, playoff run. But this is kind of like where things started because this win, along with the game winning shot, was just a jump start. As um, you know, even looking back, like there were multiple games that were pivotal for them. Um, as we were talking about with Game Four of this series, it, it was a must win for them in Philly. Um, even the conference finals game, um, game three versus Milwaukee, where they needed to get a win after a 0-2 start and they went in double overtime. And then also game four in Golden State, where you know Clay comes back with has 28 points. Um, but the Raptors, along with Serge Ibaka, come off um, you know, him coming off the bench with 20 points and Kawhi having 36, they go up 3-1. I mean, and those were really key games as well. But this particular game seven was one where, you know, it wasn't clear, like like you like you said, like. I mean, if DeMar DeRozan's on there, it's a different story. And then Jimmy Butler not playing as well. Like, um, that who was the better team? It was really close in terms of de- deciding that margin. And Kawhi, you know, ends up saving the day in that situation. But um, it, 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 the, the superstar they bet on for the previous offseason pulled it off. And that was, in this particular moment, you, you can see why they made that bet. Um, but to close it out, um, was there like a particular coach, team, or player's legacy you felt was elevated or diminished by this team's result? Ooh, Ben Simmons. Mm. We, 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 we saw a part of his game that he needed to work on. A lot of people talked about it, but his three-point abilities, 
he was is he's more of himself on transition and he he wasn't he's not a good facilitator. Right. I didn't I didn't see him facilitate in this in a series. We didn't we we see him attempt one uh three-pointer in five years. I think his career was kind of like it wasn't diminished, it was just like put on spotlight. Because then they start before this, I think he got his contract after this season. It was like, are they going to trade him? Yeah. Are they going to, you know, do what? What are they going to do with Ben Simmons? Because he's he's not a long term guy. And all these comparisons with mm-hmm. well, LeBron James or comparisons with uh, Magic Johnson, I think should stop. Because I still don't see Ben Simmons improving in areas he needs to improve in, like being a better facilitator, being a better uh, efficient shooter. He can create it. He can he can drive and finish. I'll give him that. He could. He, his post game is better. But outside of that, those other those other areas in his game is still kind of lacking. So I think it just put him on highlight. Like okay, Ben Simmons, mm, and then can he gel with Joel and B? That's still a question that has not been answered. So I think out of all those guys, I, think ben I mean, this Simmons particular year, this particular year for Philly was, I think, really their best chance to have won a title. I mean, this was the year they could have they could have won it all. I mean, if you look yeah. at how they. I probably would have given them the edge against Milwaukee and then against Golden State where KD was out and then Clay was eventually going to get hurt. I mean, you can make a case that this was their their best chance to over, overall get it because looking looking down at the road where you got Milwaukee, you got other teams like um, Boston, um, Miami, even Toronto is still competitive. It's just one of those things where the East gets more and more crowded and particular years like this, you have to capitalize on this opportunity when you have it. You you think they would have? Because if let's just play, you know, scenario scenario. I probably would have given Milwaukee the edge in seven, though. But I'm just saying, I feel like that would have been a tight series. But like, even if they beat Toronto and moved on to mm-hmm. uh, play the Warriors, a healthy Warriors team that because we didn't know KD. Or, oh, not a they wouldn't have beat a healthy Warriors team. But I mean, okay, the hobbled Warriors team that we saw. I mean, that's what I meant because they probably would have been able to. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that they would have beaten the healthy Warriors team. I'm not saying that at all. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> okay, that's why I was trying to make it so. I was like, "Whoa, Wellington doesn't do that." What? Wellington is on one. <laughs> yeah, Wellington said what? But no, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Now. Yeah, definitely. Were, were there any other kind of? initial thoughts that, that, that you had of this series, whether it be just Jimmy, because to me, like the last thing I had from this Jimmy Butler, him staying, it never seemed as though it was going to be a long-term thing because it just, it didn't seem like a system that was going to fit him long-term where as he is in Miami now, he's the number one option. Everybody follows his leadership. And I feel like that's kind of like the best role that's, that's going to be for him. You know, I thought he was going to work with Philly. Just, just given, mm-hmm. just give it on paper. They have a they have a, a great big man, not a great a good big man, who could play both ways front court backcourt. They have a decent facilitator facilitator in Ben Simmons. Well, Markel Fultz was gone by then, I think. Uh, Tobias Harris came over. I I thought they were going to be that was going to be a long term thing. I know Tobias Harris' contract was going to be up. I thought they'll at least get rid of Ben Simmons, keep uh, Butler. But I think after that big blow up, that was kind of like yeah, these they soft over here, man. No, I'm I'm oh I'm tripping. I'm thinking about the Timberwolves. Oh my gosh. Never mind what it's <laughs> Timberwolves. Abort. Abort. Abort division. I'm sorry. 
I'm thinking that we're talking about the Timberwolves. Abort, abort. Man. Gosh, never mind. But I did think they were going to, I did think he was going to stay a little bit because, like I said, I thought they were to keep Tobias, shop Ben Simmons around, mm-hmm. sign Tobias Harris, get keep Jimmy, and then have Joel Embiid. I thought that would be a good lineup and just throw somebody there, throw somebody in who can be just a, 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 a complete point guard that doesn't have to do much. But mm-hmm. instead, they signed Tobias Harris, got rid of J.J. Redick, got rid of Jimmy Butler, added Al Horford, kept Joel Embiid, kept Ben Simmons, gave Ben Simmons a big contract. I don't know why. Back crazy, <laughs> but <laughs> I thought it was going to work. I, I like him in Miami, that he has that that same yeah, feel when he was in Chicago. Fit. Yeah, it's a great fit. But I did think it was going to work in, in the Philly. I mean, the process, man. I thought the process was going to be complete. And you? That's the process, man. That's the process, man. Um, I guess it's different. <laughs> when you have other role, when you have other personalities like Embiid and, and Simmons, what I'm saying is, I feel as though that was going to be a, an eventual clash because Embiid wants to be the number one guy, and I and I and I also think Embiid and Simmons long term. That's another question mark. Will they ever be able? It, like the Penny Hardaway and Shaq thing, where they eventually split up, and we look back at it, and it's and it's just one of those things where it just never worked long term. Yeah. I, I thought that's I thought the same thing, but um I guess they have faith in Ben Simmons and Jolin Beach. I don't think they have a relationship, to be honest with you. I don't think they have a relationship on the court or outside yeah. of court. And it shows. Cause I think before mm-hmm. they got to buy Simmons, that, the guy that really- type of stuff shows that that right. chemistry, even from off the court and, and then not translating to on the court, like that that eventually shows. It does. And I think they were trying to figure out who gels the same situation with the Clippers. They got rid of Covington. They, they sent Covington. I forgot what they said. Covington and try to get, got Tobias Harris. They were just trying to figure stuff out because they weren't gelling well. They still aren't gelling well. I know I always keep saying this, but I've seen teams who gel well like the Warriors, like the Bulls, uh, like the Lakers, all Miami. the Lakers actually, Miami as well. They had good role players there. When you see you have that jelly and they have a relationship outside of basketball that translates to basketball, the chemistry is better. I don't think those younger mm-hmm. guys are don't care about that. And it shows. Yeah. Well, that wraps it up for today. I'm your host, Winter Burns, Lama Kind of Bar Save on Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later.